some point in the summer of 1853, it must have occurred to Alessandro Gavazzi that this Canadian trip hadn't been such a good idea. If I had to guess, I'd say the moment of doubt might have come when he found himself mounted atop a high church podium, clasping a wooden chair, swinging it wildly about, trying to defend himself against a mob of irate Catholics who wanted to beat him senseless. Or maybe not. Alessandro Gavazzi was no timid man. The Italian liberal nationalist was a revolutionary after all. He'd fled his homeland after the failed 1848 revolutions. Gavazzi retreated to London and then to North America, making his living as a public orator. His favorite topic that summer of 1853 was the evils of the papacy. Gavazzi was a former priest, with the emphasis on former. He still donned clerical robes as a man of God, just no longer as a Catholic. Feeling betrayed by Pope Pius IX, who reformers like Gavazzi had felt had betrayed the revolution in Italy, Gavazzi had left the church and become a Protestant. Like many converts to a new faith, or you know, maybe like ex-smokers, the new convert soon became the most vitriolic detractor of his former faith and practice. His speaking tour of British North America began in Toronto, and the crowds in that you know, mostly Protestant city welcomed him heartily. But after Toronto, he traveled to the decidedly Catholic precincts of Quebec City, that fortified bastion of the French fact in North America, founded hundreds of years before after Champlain's first visit. And Quebec's French Catholics, as well as its many recently arrived Irish Catholics, were not pleased he had come. In his first public talk, he had regaled audiences with his anti-Catholic speeches to much excitement. But the next day, with rumors swirling in the city that local Catholics planned to retaliate, Gavazzi had to scramble to find another church in which to speak after his first host reluctantly canceled his appearance. Another church did open its doors to him, and so Gavazzi spoke on what he titled the Catholic Church's Ancient and Modern Inquisition. That night, crowds of angry Catholics gathered outside the church, even as inside, Gavazzi offered lurid descriptions of the horrid torture practices of the church during the Inquisition. He then turned to the controversial subject of Ireland and the Protestant Catholic fights in that part of the British Isles, a subject bound to be more difficult in Quebec, what with the large number of recent famine Irish migrants. That's when someone in the audience shouted, It's a lie! And then, Turn him out! Perhaps that had been a signal, because at just that moment, the crowd outside the church began its assault. Stones crashed through the windows, and rioters burst through the doors. Chaos erupted as rioters attempted to storm the pulpit and pull Cavazzi down. That's when he grabbed a chair, employing it as a weapon. Others in the crowd hurled songbooks at him. Protestants and Catholics shouted and shoved each other in a general melee. Several angry detractors pushed their way through the crowd and up to the pulpit, heaving Gavazzi off his perch from a height of what one person said was 15 feet. He landed on the crowd below, their bodies softening his fall. He got to his feet and was helped to safety. Yet, as Gavazzi limped away into the night, the divisions of the Canadas played themselves out in tumultuous fashion amid shouts and shoving, 
on the streets of Quebec. Hello, and welcome to season two of 1867 and all that. It has been far too long since you last heard from me, but we're back with another season of important and sometimes even fascinating stories from Canadian political history. As you've already seen, another season of 1867 and all that means more riots, angry crowds, and political violence. We'll touch on many of the old gems from last season, like responsible government and that bizarre idea of the double majority. Some of the same actors are here, at least to start us off. The Bromance brothers, Louis Lafontaine, Robert Baldwin, and Francis Hinks, who built the Great Reform Ministry, which uh, brought responsible government to the Canadas. We will eventually come back to the witty Nova Scotian, uh, traveling intellectual Joseph Howe, uh, and we have a host of new figures to introduce. We'll even have at least one more tragic story from the sorry lives of the poor souls who became Canada's Governors General. This season, we finally get to the 1867 of 1867 and all that. That is, by the end of the season, we'll arrive at the Confederation of the Colonies of British North America into the Dominion of Canada that was inaugurated on the 1st of July, 1867. That's our end point, anyway. We're beginning, though, in the early 1850s, not long after where we ended season one. You'll recall that we finished season one with the victory of responsible government, first peacefully in Nova Scotia, and then more rambunctiously in the Canadas. There was the Rebellion Losses Bill riot where a Tory mob burned down Parliament. Montreal lost its status as the Canadian capital, never to be regained. Some people flirted with the idea of annexation to the United States, but eventually the hubbub died down. We left the Canadas with Lafontaine and Baldwin still leading a reform coalition of English and French Canadians, a true responsible government, watched on and mostly not interfered with, at least on domestic matters, by the benevolent gaze of Governor General Lord Elgin. It was a fitting place to end season one, but the ending might have left the mistaken impression of settled calm, as if the troubled waters of sectional conflict and democratic agitation that had been such a huge feature of the rebellion years in the 1830s and the fight for responsible government in the 1840s had suddenly died down. As you've already seen, that was not true whatsoever. Alessandro Gavazzi may have been a professional controversialist, but Gavazzi didn't start the conflagration in Quebec all by himself. The embers of sectional and religious strife and resentment already burned hot, and his trip merely blew them into a fire. Gavazzi wasn't done. He left Quebec City with only a few bruises, and he immediately boarded a ship to sail upriver to Montreal. But if he thought the welcome would be warmer there, he was decidedly wrong. When he arrived in Montreal, he would create the kind of tumult that would make his Quebec trip seem peaceful by comparison. The Gavazzi riots of 1853 would turn the city into a bloodbath. But that's for next week. Welcome back. Thanks so much for listening. This is just the first short teaser episode for season two. There's a lot more coming and a lot more detail. If you like what you've heard, remember you can leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please let others know we're beginning again. I've really been amazed um, at how much people have enjoyed uh, the series, so thanks for the many reviews and the many personal emails. Next week, 
we're back in the 1850s to see what has happened since we left British North America at the end of last season. And of course, we'll return to Alessandro Cavazzi to discover the disastrous results of his trip upriver to Montreal. 1867 and all that is created by me, Christopher Dummett. This year, it's also funded by you, the listeners. A number of you donated to our GoFundMe campaign last autumn, and thanks so much for this help. It really, it really means a lot. This season, we're now switching over to a Patreon program. For $5 a month, you can become an 1867 and all that patron. That's right, you'll be a regular patron of the arts, uh, which is sure to give you some bragging rights. On my end, it will allow me to build up a fund to cover all the costs to keep the podcast online in perpetuity. So thanks. Until next time, remember, there's a lot of all that to 1867 and all that.